I told Ron, he believes me, I got a short sermon today because, uh, you know, we were here a little bit long last week. How many things do we do intentionally each day? I want you to think about that. I don't necessarily want you to answer. Uh, and uh, I kind of got this outline from, uh, from a guy named Stanley in Jamaica uh, and kind of added some of my own stuff. But uh, just think about how many things you intentionally do or you intend to do. And then with that, I want you to think about how often do they get derailed. So you, you have an intention, you're, you're intentionally going to do some things, and before you fulfill your intentions, you're derailed with them. I was, uh, at, at, and I'm going to give an example that you may find completely boring, and you probably will, I do. But at my job, we have a revenue budget, okay? So uh, if we, we have a, a revenue job, that are charges that goes back into the rate base. It goes back into the, uh, uh, the customer's rate base. It goes back into the, uh, the overall top line of our company, the bottom line of our company. In other words, uh, it's where there's profit in it. So uh, if you do a revenue job uh, and, and we go out and we're building new construction for a new house or a new business, that's, that's revenue construction. Uh, and it's, sometimes it's free to the customer because it's going to produce revenue for the company. So we always intend to, to stay on revenue work, okay, because it's going to make the company money, it's going to make us money, it's going to be... Uh, money that's that's producing what our owners want us to do. That's the way all companies are. They wanna they wanna make money. However, we have jobs that are called reactive. So what do you think those are? There's something we have to react to. In other words, a, a tree falls through a line, a car hits a pole, a squirrel shorts out a transformer, and the lights go out, and and we have to react to that. And if it's a if it's something, a transformer gets overheated and burns out and we have to put a new one up, that's reactive. So everything we react to is, is operation and maintenance dollars. That's O&M dollars. And those dollars are never, uh, they're never recovered. In other words, they're just, they're just going out and you don't ever get them back in because they're maintenance of your facilities. In other words, we can't pass those on to, to anyone else. It's just an O&M charge so our company is always looking to stay off an O&M that makes sense doesn't it because it's just uh it's just like you writing checks out and paying bills I mean it's just O&M and there's there's no recovery from the buildings there's no recovery from selling electricity it's just simply a charge for O&M and it affects the profit margin of the company and so we're always being hammered with, with stay off an O&M, stay off an O&M. And, and we're like, well, these are reactive things. You have to react when the power goes out. Don't y'all agree? Our power went out in that last storm. I'm glad somebody reacted to that, and it came on after a little while. So, so those are reactions things. So you may say, okay, enough about your company business. What does that have to do with living life intentionally? And and I'm going to tell you, I think in the Christian life, and that's what we're talking about today, living life intentionally. And in our Christian life especially, maybe we often start out the new year, maybe we start over after we've rededicated our lives, we, uh, maybe when we first get saved, we, 
In our Christian life, we intend to do some things. We have an intent. Man, I'm on a, I went through a rough time, or I'm going through a good time, or, or I've had this issue, if I've had this issue, and I, I'm going to get it straightened out, and it's my intent to start doing these things. And, and you know, that's good because we have return on those. We, when, we, when we live life intentionally, I think God blesses us. I think we begin to grow spiritually. But something happens a lot of times, un, some unforeseen event, something comes along in life, and, and all of a sudden we're having to react to that. And when we have to react to it, it completely throws us off of what we intended to do. In other words, instead of being able to, to have this revenue out here, we're all of a sudden, we're over here in the O&M. We're having to react to something that we're really not going to get a lot back from, but it's just something that has to be done. And, you know, if you think about life, that's kind of where we are. We, we live life out of habit a lot of times. We live life simply of waking up and just uh, responding to whatever happens. You know, well, today I'm going to work and... I'm not sure what's going to happen, and I'm going to have to respond to things. So, so many of us live lives of habit just to put out fires. And you know, God never intended us to live out of habit. God intended us to live intentionally. And uh, John Maxwell, some of y'all may have heard of him, he says we need to live less out of habit and more out of intent. And that's what I want us to think about this morning. I want us to think about living life, especially our spiritual life, intentionally. Now, there, I found some, you know, you can find anything on the Internet, so I was looking around on intentional stuff, and I found these, uh, somebody wrote, here are five things to do uh, to live godly lives with intent. So the first they listed was be intentional about your quiet time with God. In other words, you're... Your Bible study, your time, be intentional about that. Number two, be intentional about spending time with your family. We need to be intentional about that. We need to make time for our, for our spouses just to spend some time together, for our whole family to spend some time together. Number three, be intentional about the promises you make to others. Number four, be intentional about your commitments so that you don't get overloaded. And number five, be intentional about seeing value in every person you meet. And that was John Maxwell that wrote that. But, but being intentional, and I, I've listed some folks in the Bible, I want you to think about how they lived with intent. Now, we're not going to go look at a lot of scriptures about these folks, but I want you to think about Paul. You know, the Apostle Paul, he was saved on the road to Damascus. He was, uh, you know, remember his eyes were blinded, and they carried him to the house of a Christian, and and the Lord spoke to him, and he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm the one you're persecuting. And, and Paul was converted, and he became a Christian. And from that time on, Paul realized he needed to go to Rome. Why? Because Rome was the capital of, of all commerce. In other words, everything went through Rome. And Paul said, You know, if the Gentiles are going to understand Christ, that's us. I have to get to Rome, and I'm going to have to preach the gospel in Rome where when these ships come in and these sailors here and they're saved and they sail back to wherever they're going, they'll carry God's word. So he intended to go to Rome. He said, I'm born again. I'm going to Rome. That's where I'm headed. I'm going to preach to Caesar. I'm going to Rome. But I want you to think about all the things that derailed Paul. You know, he was arrested he was thrown in prison, he was beaten, he was stoned. All of these things through his life 
stopped him from going to Rome. In other words, they derailed him. I, I can imagine Paul got up one morning and said, all right, I'm on the road, I'm headed to Rome. And then he runs into some, some Jews and then he begins to talk about Christ and they say, that's blasphemy. And they start to beat Paul and then they say, Paul is raising up these uh, enemies of the Roman government. And remember, Rome is in control of the Jews then. And, and so they take him to the Jews and they beat him and they tie him to a stump and give him lashes and all of these different things. But Paul's intention never changed. After all the things he went through, he would always come out and say, I'm going to Rome. You know how he ended up in Rome? Because they took him to the Roman government. They said, you're, gonna, you're raising up enemies of the state. And he said, no, I'm a Roman citizen. And if you were a Roman citizen, you could appeal to Caesar. They said, well, he thought you were a Jew. And he said, I am a Jew, but I'm a Roman citizen. When they said that, the, the, the Romans went, oh, we can't beat this guy. We can't whoop this guy. He's a citizen of Rome. They said, what can we do with him? And they said, all we can do with him is send him to Caesar. Let Caesar deal with him. So what happened? His intent was to go to Rome. Through all the things he went to, he made it to Rome. Think about Jesus Christ. He, he was intent on going to Jerusalem and going to the cross. That was his intention. He told his followers, I came to die. That's why I came. I came to die for sins. And that was his intention. All the sidetracks, all the different things that Christ dealt with, he had a resolve. He was intended to go to Rome. So I want us to think about that. What are we focusing on this morning? The, the, the one thing out of these five lists, I want us to think about being intentional about our time with God. Be intentional about your time with God. I want us to, that first thing, our hearts or what's in our heart really controls our thoughts, doesn't it? You know, the Bible says, however our heart is, whatever's in our heart, that's going to control who we are. It controls our thoughts. It controls our bearings. It, it controls our emotions. Whatever's in our heart controls who we are. And the Holy Spirit is intentional about where we place God's Word. In James chapter 1, verses 23 through 24, and I didn't tell you all Scripture to turn to. <coughs> I realize that, but you can go to James. You can go to 2 Timothy. That's where we're going to be in a minute. You can go to Psalms 119. So I'm going to give you these Scriptures, but, but the Holy Spirit's intentional about we replace God's Word. It says, Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Look at that next verse. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law, and that's God's word that gives freedom, and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in all that we do and all that they do. So we have James giving us a promise. He says, you know, if we look at God's Word and we just thrum through and we read it and we, we don't look intently into it, we simply just scan over it, maybe we don't even open it, then, then James said that's kind of like getting up in the morning, looking in the mirror and, and walking off and somebody saying, you know what, uh, what's that on your eyebrow right there? Well, I don't know, I forgot. Well, you just looked at it. Yeah, but I forgot immediately. James said that's kind of what it's like when we just... Thumb past God's Word. We, it's like looking in the mirror and immediately forgetting. But 
if we look intently into God's Word. Psalms 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. God is consistent. He never changes. He's always the same. Psalms 119 is the longest scripture in the Bible, that the whole book of Psalms, but it is full of God's word. I've hidden your word in my heart. That's the verse 11, that I may not sin against you. Psalms 119.1 says, well, what way can a, a young man keep his life pure? What way can he go? and purify his way, and, and he answers that question, to keep your word, or keep, uh, keep it according to your word. So, as we think about God's word, and I'm getting to the point here in just a second, religion today, and, and you might say Christianity today, uh, but I, I chose religion, and, and I think Christians fall into this too. There's many religious people, and I would even say Christian people, who do what they want, who say what they want to say, who do move through life without ever allowing God's Word to filtrate their heart. In other words, they never, they never hear God's Word. They simply proclaim to be a Christian. They may be a Christian. They proclaim to be a religious person, but God's Word never affects their actions. So I want to ask you this morning, where do you have God's Word at? Just think about that. I, this was something that, that Stanley said. He said, you know, we have God's Word all around us. And we do, don't we? Think about that. He listed some things. We have it on the walls of our houses. We have it on signs in front of our churches. We have God's Word, some people on their business cards. Some people have God's Word on their bumper stickers. We see God's Word at football games on banners, you know. They'll hold up where the camera can see, John 3.16. We see God's Word. You go to the Dallas area, you'll see it on billboards. We see God's Word on bracelets. We see God's Word on necklaces. We, we even see God's Word in tattoos. You know, people tattoo God's Word somewhere on a... We have, tat, we have uh, God's Word on our offices, on our desks. On and on and on and on we go where we see God's Word. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of those things, but God's Word is to be in our heart, not on our kitchen table. And I think a lot of times we surround ourselves with God's Word and we say, oh, that looks really nice, and, and boy, I'm going to put God's Word here and I'm going to put God's Word there, but, but do we put it in our heart? The Bible says we're to look intently into God's Word. In Acts chapter 1, I want you to think about what it means to look at something intently. Do y'all ever look at anything intently? I, I got, I've got to go back to a movie. Uh, what's it called? Joe Kidd. Do y'all know that movie? Got Clint Eastwood in it? You probably don't, but if you do, it's a pretty good movie. There's a guy in there, and he's a, he's a sharpshooter. It's a Western. And uh, he's looking up in the mountains looking for some bandits, and he's just staring, and the guy next to him says, man, do you ever blink? You know, he was watching, but he was so intent on finding something. If you're a deer hunter, do you ever, do y'all ever get up in the mornings and the sun comes up, and there's just a deer standing there, you know, and the lighter it gets, it's just a stump, you know, you're like... You're intently looking at it, and you think, God, is that a deer? Yeah, it moved. It flickered its tail. It moved its head. And, and you keep looking, and then you look back over, and yeah, it's moved again, you know. And then 
Finally, it's just an old stump with a couple of leaves sticking off of it. And, and you looked intently at that. I think we know how to look at things intently. But, but listen to this in Acts chapter 1. This is verse 9. Jesus is talking to His disciples, and they're on the Mount of Transfiguration where He's fixing to be... Uh, he, he's taken into heaven. And, and if you remember that, they're on this mountain, and there's three there. There's Christ and Elijah and Moses. And, and the disciples said, let's just build three temples and live up here. And Jesus is talking to them. He said, after He said this... He, Christ, was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And listen, and they were looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them and said, Men of Galilee, uh, why are you looking in the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you to heaven will return. He'll come back in the same way that you've seen him go. Now, I want you to think about how intent they must have been looking for Christ. You know, he's standing here, they're talking together, and all of a sudden he's taken up and he just kind of goes up into the clouds and they're just intently studying. Can you imagine that? I mean, I, I have trouble imagining it because I can't imagine seeing someone just taken up right before our eyes. But, but what I can imagine is how intent they must have been on finding Christ. I mean, they must have been studying everything they could. They must have been waiting for a cloud to move or the sun to change. They were just intently looking in the sky. And I thought about it, as we study God's Word wouldn't it be great if we studied that Word with that kind of intensity? I mean, if we open God's Word and we, we begin to read a Scripture and we begin to truly just look into God's Word and think about God's Word and concentrate on God's Word and say, God, what are you telling me? What do you want to teach me? What do you want me to know out of your Word? I think when we begin to live intently on studying God's Word, we realize what His blessings are for it, for us, for each of us. If God's Word would be studied, the, the, we, we have everything we need covered. In 2 Timothy 3, it says, All Scripture is God-breathed. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. In other words, how to live the right way so that the man of God may be perfect, being fully furnished for every good work. God says if we'd simply just study, if we'd look intently into His work, we can, we can have everything we need. We can find every answer we need. We can find every direction we need to go. We can find all the answers if we look intently into God's Word. I listed just a couple of things. God's Word is a light into our path. That's what it says. In other words, if we're just... We're in darkness. We don't know which way to go. We don't know what the next step needs to be. We don't, we're, we're just lost. Lord, where do you want me to go? What am I supposed to be doing? God said, if you'll just look at my word, I'll light your way. I'll direct your path. God's word purifies us, keeps us from sin. That's what God's word does. Now, we're still sinners. We're still going to be sinners. But as we have a new nature, as we grow in Christ, the more we study His Word, the more we begin to understand, the more it'll protect us from sin. God's Word's meant to be obeyed. It's meant to be practiced. Why? So that I may not sin against God. The fourth thing, God's Word is the power to save. It's the power to heal. It's the power to mend broken relationships. That's what God's Word is. It's, it's power in God's Word. And, and when we look intensely 
into God's Word, we see the power of His Word. Not only is it something we look intensely into, it's practical. You know, when we pay attention to God's Word, we realize its placement, its purpose in our lives is spot on. It's always just where we need it. It's always just when we need it. Listen, Jesus said in John 4, 14, I am the, I'm life-giving water. He says in John 6, 6, 35, I am the bread of life. You know what that means? That's an example for us. What do we need to survive? What do we need to survive? What do we need to live to keep from dying? And, and air. Well, I didn't get air. Bread. Bread and water. We're going to breathe, but for us to live, we've got to have bread and water, don't we? We have to have something to drink and something to eat. I believe when Jesus is teaching, he's, he's saying, You're all, I'm all you need to survive. We, we do have the breath of God that was breathed into us, if you want to include air. The Holy Spirit of God was breathed the breath of life in us. But when we look at God's Word, I think He's telling us, I'm all you need. I, I've got it all covered now, God wants us to not simply survive. He wants us to thrive. I, I use this scripture a lot in John 10, 10. It says, I've come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. But think about God's word. It, it brings joy. It brings hope. In, in hopeless situations, it brings security. It brings belonging. It brings direction. It brings purpose in our life. We could go on and on and on. God said, I'm here. I'm all you need to survive. And what it takes is it's something on our part. You know, you're not going to learn, and I'm not going to learn God's Word just simply coming to a service and hearing somebody stand up here and preach for 45 minutes or an hour, but, but when we look intently into God's Word, then we begin to understand that God is really all we need. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me this morning, and I want to ask you this question. Where is God's Word for you? It's not intended to be just on our walls, on our bumper stickers, uh, around our house, but it's intended that His Word would be in our hearts. I have hidden your words in my heart that I may not sin against God. That's God's intent, that we would have His Word in our heart. It affects our actions, our thoughts, our behaviors, everything we have, and it takes a little bit of intensity of truly looking into God's Word. Father, I pray this morning as we study Your Word, as we hear about Your Word, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't merely be hearers of Your Word on Sunday mornings, but Father, we would set aside some time just to be in Your Word. If we just read one verse and just spend some time thinking about it, looking intently as those men look for You in the clouds, intently into Your Word and seeing what You have for us, Lord. Thank you for this day. Father, just thank you for the opportunity we have to come together and worship you. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.